Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, Sherelle McMillan, Carolina 74, Duke 69, and Sherelle, Survive in Advance is the uh, motto of tournament play. <laughs> Carolina certainly survived that ball game against the Blue Devils. Yeah, it was not a pretty display of basketball over that last six minutes for the Tar Heels. Uh, uh, you know, lots of missed shots, turnovers, some a couple of them kind of inexplicable. Uh, but to their credit, they were able to find a way to win. And this time of year, like you said, that's really all that matters. Uh, the offensive rebounding was tremendous. Um, there was a couple of possessions there when it was under after the under four timeout where they were able to burn almost a full minute off of the clock just from offensive rebounds. Now, I'm sure Roy Williams would have liked for them to have scored at some point other than Theo's uh, free throws with 3.2 seconds left over the final six minutes. But it turned out to be enough, partly because they had built up the lead a little bit. And secondly, because, you know, they grabbed unofficially uh, 18 offensive rebounds. And when you combine 18 offensive rebounds with 18 turnovers for Duke, that gave North Carolina uh, 17 more shots than Duke. And most of the time when you're able to have 17 more field goal attempts, you, you feel pretty good about your chances. And um, all credit to North Carolina because they shared the ball. We've talked about several times on this podcast that this team, this UNC team kind of had to have that pack mentality where they attack it as one. And they did that throughout the game. It, it was very similar to the game in Chapel Hill. Um, I, I think it's fair to say again that North Carolina seemed to just wanted a little bit more. They were quicker to all the loose balls. They were diving on the ground. They had so many offensive rebounds. They hustled and they really just outworked Duke throughout the entire game. Yeah, and that's something that we didn't see in Cameron just a week ago or less than a week ago, but saw it today. I think sort of the tail sign, and of course Carolina fell off down the stretch and Duke almost came back, but when uh, Grant and, uh, excuse me, Gary Trent and Joel Berry got tied up and ripped the ball, Berry ripped, and he got right back in Trent's face, I think that is something – that this Carolina team has had in Barry and in Pinson, and that certainly uh, was a tone setter. Uh, I like to see that kind of stuff. You know, I don't, I don't like to see Carolina guys allow themselves to get pushed around like has happened in the past. But Barry, uh, however they played over the last six minutes, it just felt like Barry wasn't going to let them lose that ball game. Yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, the mentality. Um, it, we talked to Derek Feltz last year. Um, when North Carolina was going through their title run and we were talking about Joel Berry and every time he mentioned Joel Berry, he would say his mentality is great. It's his mentality, his mentality, his mentality. And I think what he means by that is what you said, Tommy, that uh, Joel Berry does not want to let North Carolina lose. And the, the, the more I realized it, and I was guilty of this at the beginning of the year, I don't think Joel Berry's numbers really matter. You know, he's three from 11 from the field. That doesn't sound great. But all three of his shots were huge shots that came in important moments. And then you look at him from the point guard spot, in addition to 
13 points. He had six assists, which is something we've, you know, often said, oh, he's not a great distributor, but six assists against a, a very long athletic team. He also had five rebounds and he had three steals. So I think with Joel Berry, he's one of those players we can't really measure. Um, and I know it sounds cliche, but we can't really measure him just by his numbers because the intangibles he has are, are worth, you know, more than any rebound or, or worth more than any three-point shot um, from what he brings to North Carolina. Let me, I want to talk about Pinson and, you know, Kenny Williams and Luke May and all them, but I got to say that Garrison Brooks and Sterling Manley to a certain extent, but Garrison Brooks grew up tonight. Uh, you know, he finally realized he's got to dunk the basketball and he did that, but he, he played as good as he's played all year, especially in the first half. Uh, just a great effort and performance from the freshmen. You know, we're deep in the season, but they're still freshmen. Um, whether or not folks want to like it or not. And he's learning, and tonight was a big jump for him. Yeah, it's it's the inconsistency of freshmen, as you said. Uh, there there have been games where uh, – now, granted, in the SEC tournament, Garrison Brooks, I think, has played well. But there have been times when he's had a, a nice performance like this, 10 points, five rebounds, something like that, and he's not really heard from from a couple of games. That's just the growth um, that has to occur for freshman players. And, uh, you know, him and Manley, we, we said it last night, six for 13 – 16 points, six rebounds from those guys. When North Carolina gets that from those two, um, it really changes their outlook in March. I think a lot of people said, yeah, this Carolina team, I don't know if they can win six straight, mostly because of um, some of the deficiencies they have on the inside. The guys are young. They're not quite there yet. But if they're able to do this, what they've done the last three games in March, you know, moving forward into the tournament next week, then uh, there's no reason North Carolina can't be in San Antonio in a few weeks. And I, I don't say that lightly because I didn't think they were that type of team for most of the season, but it seems like a lot of things are starting to come together for them. When you look at the assists, you've mentioned that from Barry and 24 assists on 28 made baskets, certainly unofficial stats as we have to preface it with. But when Carolina shares the ball like that, they're tough to beat historically, but especially against the Duke zone, and, and I'll say this, when Bagley, as good as he is offensively, he had no interest in playing defense tonight. It didn't look like to me. And when he does that and stays out of the lane, they forced Wendell Carter to play two-on-one an awful lot, and they made Duke pay and were able to keep that lead consistently up there, 10, 12, 15, 16 points, up until the five-and-a-half-minute mark. I mean, that's Carolina basketball right there in this row. Yeah, and you know, not to defend Backley, but he was probably upset that he only had 13 shots when he couldn't be stopped on the inside. But that's here nor there. Um, 28, 28 field goals. North Carolina didn't shoot well. 28 of 71, 39% from the field. But like you said, 24 assists. And it wasn't the Kendall Marshall type game or the Ray Felton, Ty Lawson type game where one guy has 14 or 15 assists. Theo Pinson with seven. Joel Berry with six. Kenny Williams with six. Luke May with four. Uh, Cameron Johnson with one. So it was spread out amongst, you know, uh, four of North Carolina's five starters pretty much. And it goes back. One of the uh, thoughts of the day, Coach Williams, you know, Dewey, I'm sure knows this. I'm sure he's heard it all the time. It's amazing what you can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. And that's what those assistant numbers tell. They don't care who, uh, you know, who scores the most. They don't care who gets to get interviewed after the game. They just want to win. And uh, the finality of Theo Pinson and Joel Berry's career, I think, is really weighing on them. And that's why you see um, this improved play in Brooklyn. You know, Coach Smith always talked about you build your momentum within the tournament. They've definitely been able to do that. And 
it, it's funny because I think maybe that Wednesday game might turn out to have been like a blessing for them to get that to uh, quicker get that taste out of their mouth from the Duke game. They were able to get into a nice groove on Wednesday and it carried over to Thursday, which carried over to tonight, which they hope will carry over to tomorrow. Yeah, indeed. It'll be the fourth game in four days, uh, four nights, four late nights for North Carolina when they face Virginia for the ACC championship on Saturday night. Let's talk a little bit about um, Theo Pinson and Luke May. Now, earlier in the season, I would think, especially earlier in their uh, Pinson's career, there was a time when North Carolina fans would watch Carolina play and want Pinson to get the ball out of his hands immediately. And earlier in this year, uh, there was a time when Luke May brought some comfort in having the ball in his hands. And he really struggled down the stretch, but he did play much, much better today. Bounce back ball game, 17 points, 10 rebounds. You know, I see those stats and then I watch the very end of that game and it's just two very different things to me. But May against Bagley and Carter to put up 17 and 10, I mean, that's why he's first team all ACC. Yeah, he, you know, he's his confidence. I think has struggled through in this tournament. Um, after last night, you know, one of the, I guess, the worst shooting night of his career, one of fifteen. Um, it, it was good to see him. Even in the first half, he was still a little tentative. It was good to see him take those shots. And then in the second half, as far as the shooting, you could tell that he wasn't hesitating anymore, and he kind of got into a groove. Now the ball handling in the press offense that that still need some work because if you, you know, the, the last two Syracuse games and the last two Duke games, uh, they've struggled with that a little bit. It hasn't been terrible. Roy Williams said about the, uh, about the Duke game that it has missed some shots when Duke started pressing, but it has bothered them. That's four times now over the last, I guess, two and a half weeks that the press has really bothered them some. So that's something they know they need to work on uh, before they get into the tournament next week. But, uh, you know, May can handle the ball in situations, but I think uh, when it comes to end-of-game situations, you really want the ball in Theo Pinson or Joel Berry's hands. Carolina's defense was, I thought, pretty fantastic against Duke, but I look at Duke's box score, and this is the Inside Carolina podcast, but it is interesting to see how North Carolina forces Duke, I think, into some things. Uh, Wendell Carter, four for seven. You mentioned Mar- Marvin Bagley, only seven for 13. And you got Duvall 0 for 6, Grayson Allen 4 for 11, and Gary Trent had a good ball game, especially in the second half. But it just blows my mind how Duke doesn't let their bigs get many shots. I mean, those two guys in the Carolina offense would have 30 shots between them on a night like tonight. But Carolina's defense certainly had something to do with that. Yeah, and if you uh, – we talk about Ken Pomeroy's ratings and, you know, how that is a good indicator of, of who's playing good defense at the time. Well, North Carolina's defense was 50th after the Miami game. Um, they gave up 88 – excuse me, gave up 91 points against Miami. Since then, they've given up 74 to Duke, 59 to Syracuse, 65 to Miami, and 69 to Duke. And they've jumped uh, 25 spots. They were 50th, and now they're 25. Um, in adjusted defense, defensive efficiency. Uh, so that's quite a jump in a week, and it really reminds me of the 2016 season when North Carolina struggled on uh, defensively uh, pretty much throughout the season, and then something snapped in the tournament. They turned it on, and it led them all the way to the championship game against Villanova. So, uh, you know, credit to North Carolina for the defense. Really, really, really want to give a shout-out to Kenny Williams. I think his play – um, defensively has been the story of the tournament for me. 
um, just because of the players he's been defending. So he started off with Ty's Battle. Um, he's on Frank Howard some too, but Ty's Battle, one of the uh, highest scoring players in the ACC. And then the next night he was on Lonnie Walker. That was his primary defensive um, assignment. And I think both of those guys were 415, 416, those kind of stat lines. And then tonight he was on Grayson Allen most of the game and Allen was four of 11. Now he did have 16 points, but uh, he had four threes. All all four of his field goals were threes. So uh, Kenny Williams has really played well and he's done that playing uh, a ton of minutes. I, I'm not sure exactly how many minutes, minutes he played tonight. Um, it had to have been 37, 38, something like that. Um, so he's been key for North Carolina. And also he's knocked down um, a couple of the shots, enough to keep the defense honest, enough to keep space for Barry and for May and for Cameron Johnson to kind of do their thing. Uh, so really, really uh, great performance from Kenny Williams. And it, it's more than just what the numbers show. But again, he had 10.6 rebounds and six assists. So he had good numbers, but also his defense has really just been phenomenal. He's He's turned it up. Um, yeah. during the ACC tournament. He had uh, three huge offensive rebounds as well, but the drawn charge, I believe that was him, White, and I could be mistaken on Grayson Allen when Duke was making their run. Either way, Carolina's defense is just, it's all about effort and getting out there and executing it, and they've done a solid job doing that. Let me ask you about the next ball game. Now, on this podcast last night, you said you'd rather change dirty diapers then watch Virginia play basketball. Uh, so w- what is it? Are you going to change the diaper with one hand and run the remote with the other tomorrow night? Uh, Carolina and Virginia, not a great matchup, but I think the way Carolina has been handling uh, getting inside the middle of a defense uh, should make for an interesting ball game against Virginia. Yeah. Um, so obviously with inside Carolina responsibilities, we'll definitely be watching the game. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to see, I didn't, I didn't feel like the legs were an issue for UNC tonight. So, uh, and the starters have played heavy minutes, uh, but it's funny if you go back to the Miami game, it almost was a blessing in disguise that they started, you know, they got down 14, nothing because it forced Roy Williams to do the hockey subs, which gave Joel Berry, uh, especially more rest than he normally would get. So I think he only played, only in quotations only played 33 or 34 minutes against uh against uh Miami and i think tonight he was you know 37 something like that um so just that those those couple of minutes that he got against Miami because they were playing so bad might actually help North Carolina in the end um but you know Virginia's they're the best team in the country right now i mean i, I don't think it's a stretch to say that they're 30 and 2 um they are the best defensive team in the country they suffocate their opponents um, so it's going to be a challenge for North Carolina. They're going to have to play much better than they did tonight, but they definitely need to keep that tenacity that they had. Definitely keep the willingness to pass and to, you know, pass up good shots for great shots, which is something I think this team uh, is really good at. And then, you know, one thing I, I think people don't realize North Carolina this season in games with 66 or fewer possessions is six and one. The only loss, however, was to UVA, but that was at UVA. Um, this will be on a neutral court. So, you know, North Carolina has a chance. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tall task, but uh, you can't really doubt this team right now. They've got some good mojo working, and uh, they've got to hit more shots, obviously. Um, but I, I think they have a chance. They're just going to have to play much better, and if they're able to get a lead, they're going to have to close much better than they did tonight. Let me, uh, before we close it out, let me address your tactical expertise. I mean, Virginia plays that pack line defense, and they force everything into the middle. I watched um, them play earlier tonight and 
they give up some baskets on the baseline, but in the middle, everything's it's basically deaf to go in the middle of the lane. Carolina's short corner offense, when they put Theo Pinson down there, has been effective against other teams. How does Carolina approach this Virginia team uh, that's going to do what they do, uh, no matter what the offense is doing? Thoughts on how the heels might go at it? Yeah, I, I think it'll be a lot. Of, you, you talked about running you know, on the baseline. I think that's where Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams can be really successful. If you saw what North Carolina did at the zone, it's not, I, I would say, and, and there are others who are, are more expert at this than I am, but I would say it's not that dissimilar from a zone. Um, it is man-to-man, uh, but I think you'll see Luke May kind of in that pivot spot where he's able to dish down to cutters on the baseline or kick out. And the key against Virginia is just when you when you have an open shot, you have to make it. Because if you don't, they'll grab the rebound most of the time. And that will, because, you know, their whole thing is don't give up offensive rebounds. Uh, they'll grab the rebound and then they'll go down and milk the clock. And they're a very good offensive team. They're very efficient. Um, so I, I think that's the key is that, Cam Johnson missed five or six straight threes. Um, he was two of seven. Kenny Williams was two of seven. They need them to be closer to 50% um, just to knock down some shots to loosen things up a little bit. So I, I think that's what it is. I think it's Luke May and Theo Penson, very similar to what they do against the zone, kind of in that pivot position at the elbow, finding Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, Luke May cutting, um, and then Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams also have to make shots from the corners if North Carolina's going to win. You got to be in it to win it. Carolina's in it. They got the early game tomorrow night. They played eight thirty uh, in Brooklyn. Shrell, I'm sure we'll talk Carolina, Tommy, Virginia for the ACC championship. Tommy, do you think this win uh, secured Charlotte for UNC? Uh, I think it should. Will it? I'm not a hundred percent sure. We'll see how tomorrow goes. I'm not so sure Virginia wouldn't rather play elsewhere. Uh, but I think Carolina may deserve two and one against Duke. If Duke's your other competition, then I think the the quadrant wins and all that stuff certainly speaks to Carolina. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be close. It, it's funny because this is a very similar situation to North Carolina and Duke last year, except for North Carolina was in Duke's situation. Uh, obviously, North Carolina won the conference last year, so it's a little different. Um, but Duke got hot in the tournament, and the talk was after they won – was Duke should be, you know, does Duke have a case to be a number one seed? And you already see that whispered a little bit from some national types that if Carolina is able to beat Virginia, should they be a one seed? Now, I don't know. I have, a, even if it's North Carolina, I have a hard time with a, a one seed who has nine losses, um, even with the tough schedule that UNC has played. But I do think they have earned the right to play in Charlotte just because um, the primary competition, they they beat them twice. Uh, so I think Duke and Carolina, depending, I, no matter what, I, I really think uh, the committee settled on Duke and Carolina being two seeds, and it was just a matter of who was going to be in Charlotte. So I think you'll see um, North Carolina and Charlotte, and I think you'll see Duke and Nashville both as two seeds. Yeah, and I, I really, hadn't Krzyzewski complained about being in North Carolina and the crowd being against him? So, you know, he might get his wish to go to Nashville, and I don't really think it matters. It does for Carolina, right? historically speaking, but for Duke, I'm not sure it matters. But And and the number one overall seed, um, they changed this, I think it was in 2016, the number one overall seed gets to pick where they want to go. So they mm-hmm. have first dibs, and... You know, even if Virginia, even if Carolina beats Virginia tomorrow, I still think uh, Virginia would be the number one overall seed. Um, I think they would pick Charlotte, but you never know. Interesting take. We'll find out soon enough. It's hard to believe 
Uh, the ACC championships tomorrow. Selection Sunday's on Selection Sunday is just two days away. It's crazy how time's flown, Sherelle. I'm sure we'll talk. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.